so the book is already out the therapist mm-hmm. in hardback um yes. 8th of july it came out didn't it yeah that was yeah the yeah okay did you do anything to celebrate or um because it's your first um adult novel isn't it it is yeah um well i will you know would have the original plan was to uh to be in the uk when it happened which obviously wasn't uh, possible but uh my publishing was, uh, yeah i was a little bit sad about that but i mean we're all in that situation now i guess where a lot of plans get cancelled um but hopefully I'll, I'll be able to come over uh later um but yeah no my publishing house uh and set up a, a really nice little digital event with um the royal norwegian embassy so um yeah so that was nice i was participating from my summer house uh, oh lovely yeah that was uh no it was really really as great as these digital events can be i would say Mm. because your work is sort of situated in young adult young adult is that right before you wrote um did you write young yeah ya young adult i'm getting that wrong i'm sorry uh, as a therapist you mean or as an author <clears throat> no as an author have you written any young adult novels at all yes yes I, I wrote a young adult novel when i was a young adult myself oh really right <laughs> So you had the exact first-hand experience to be able yes. to write from that perspective. Exactly. <laughs> Whilst it was all sort of, how, was, how did that sort of fare then? Because I always think, <clears throat> for me, when you're sort of living in a, a moment, um, it's hard to kind of experience that moment and kind of put that down into words or kind of acknowledge it. But it's always, for me, looking back as a writer, I can pick out experiences from my past and write about them much better looking yeah. back retrospectively. So how how did that work for you writing as a young adult about being a young adult? <laughs> I think hmm. uh, at the moment I felt a lot more adult than maybe I was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I wrote uh, I wrote about experiences with great wisdom and uh, you know some distance and all of that. And then now looking back at it, I think oh I was so young when I wrote this. Okay. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I, I originally didn't intend it uh, to, or I just wanted to write a book about the sort of stuff I was experiencing at the time, and, and my publishing house um, put it together as a young adult uh, novel. But uh, yeah, it's a story about uh, you know going on interrail in Europe with your friend and falling in love and stuff like that. Oh, okay, so not thriller-based at all? Not at all, no. No. <clears throat> And then did your job as a, as a therapist or kind of working in that psychological kind of area, arena, take you um, to, to writing psychological thrillers or did you have an interest in that before? I think um, now looking back at the type of literature that I was reading uh, as a, a student, I think that probably both my uh, choice of profession and um, this idea to write psychological thrillers comes from uh, an interest in you know social psychology the relationships between people and also this um, what makes people act um, or do evil acts towards each other what what is evil really and and how can we understand that someone would kill someone else or commit violence against someone else um mm-hmm. I can I can see now that I, that's probably been something that has um, been an interest of me um, since I was uh, was young. I um, mm. 
uh, as a uh, I haven't worked I worked for a short time as a therapist having a, a strong interest in trauma psychology and then I've been working the last decade as a researcher um, doing my uh, PhD on uh, a data set on violence and abuse and so I, I've been very interested in this these type of, of themes and I think um, uh, the psychological thriller is a little bit also um, works well to to investigate some of these questions. For me, reading crime fiction, I've always found it so much more interesting when uh, the writer tries to to make you understand how uh, the bad guy or the criminal is doing what he mm. or she is doing to understand really what makes people act the way they do, not just he was a crazy serial killer but uh yeah. going you know deeper into it than that um, yeah it's really fascinating because <clears throat> that's the um exact kind of approach that I have to writing yeah. I had a, a very avid interest in the psychology just wanting to be able to understand people I think probably mainly from a family perspective a lot of people kind of <clears throat> maybe go into researching psychology because of their own backgrounds to try and understand it more certainly that was the case for me I think and just wanting to kind of understand the wider world and and just the way that people's brains worked and I certainly will always in my books have um, a section of background as such that kind of brings to the forefront in the book to show the reader why the uh, protagonist or or like you say the, the bad guys or the criminals do what they do because yeah, yeah it's um I find it very, very fascinating. And I think um, a lot of my readers have picked up on that and have been able to kind of pick that out of the books and sort of say, oh, well, you know, that's really interesting the way that you wrote that. So is that something that your fans have said to you that they've kind of enjoyed the backstory and, and getting an understanding of, of character development in that sense? Absolutely. And it's it's something that's, uh, that's very important to me. I also really like that when I read the... Uh, books where uh, where you really get into to that where you understand where people are coming from uh, and I think it's it's definitely something that people uh, tell me they like about my book which makes me happy because it's it's uh, one of the things that I really strive to uh, to achieve well I think with a title like the therapist I'd be a bit um <laughs> I'd feel a bit <laughs> short changed I think if uh, <laughs> if I started reading the book and I wasn't getting any kind of backstory <laughs> with the uh, protagonist yeah. <clears throat> so do you want to um just tell us a little bit about the therapist uh the you know what the book is about and uh, what brought you to to kind of that exact kind of story if you like Sure. Um, so the therapist uh, is the story of Sarah, who's uh, she's the, the titular uh, therapist. Uh, she's uh, quite young, early 30s, around 30 years old. And she's living in this old house that she's refurbishing with her husband, Sigurd, uh, where she also receives her patients. So in a way, she's very um, kind of confined to this house. She works there. She's uh, a lonely type of person, so she doesn't go out much. Um, and so this couple is uh, refurbishing this house and it's, it's going very slow, as I think refurbishing projects often do. <laughs> and uh, their relationship has kind of uh, stagnated with this, uh, with this process. And then one early morning, Sigurd is uh, leaving to go on a cabin. He kisses her goodbye. He leaves the house. 
few hours later, he calls uh, and leaves an answer a uh, message on her voicemail saying that he has arrived. He's with his friends. Everything's good. Uh, and then that evening, his friends call and say he never arrived. They haven't seen him. And what is happening? Mm. And so it turns out that Sigurd has disappeared. Uh, he's nowhere to be found. And as so the book is the story of Sigurd's disappearance. And, and as kind of the story unfolds, Sarah is more and more um, starting to feel unsafe in her own home. She has this sense that they disappear, they turn up another place. And during the night, she can sometimes hear footsteps uh, in the attic. Or is she possibly just losing her mind? Mm. So that's <clears throat> Such a brilliant premise. Such a brilliant premise. And um, so, so what brought you to, to write that particular story? Was there a sort of a youth, a youth, oh, I'm trying to think of the word. What's the word I'm trying to think? I won't use the word because you probably won't understand the word. <laughs> it's kind of a British word. Um, but was there a moment when you kind of um, just thought, yes, this is what I need to write about? Or was it kind of a case of you'd experienced something or, you know, heard a similar sort of story? Huh, I think um, I've always, I, I don't know, in my family, we always have this, when someone's traveling, we send a text message saying like, hey, I've arrived and, and we're waiting for other people uh, to do that. Um, and then sometimes uh, it can take a little while before you get that reassuring text that someone has arrived. Mm. Uh, and I think this moment when you're waiting and you think like, okay, well, he's probably just stuck in customs or he's probably just, you know, something. And then your mind starts to go like, or is it? Or mm. could he have disappeared? Or, you know, am I now one of these cases that I read about in the paper where... Uh, uh, you know someone disappears and it, they, they talk about these first moments when you realize that something was wrong is this the beginning of a situation like that mm. and then luckily for me you know people tend to send that message and they were just delayed and it was no no problem but I think that that little moment that is sort of taken outside of, of time and the story where you're thinking like everything can happen now mm. it's something uh really frightening with with that and where you can see how um thin the line is between our everyday lives and the kind of chaos that could exist if someone disappeared. Yeah. I think I had that idea and then um, I was on maternity leave with a little baby that uh, needed to lie in total darkness to sleep So uh, oh. and he needed me to lie next to him. Oh, so I had a lot of time to think, and you know, you're in the <laughs> a lot of thinking in the dark. Uh, you think about everything that could go wrong. Um, and yeah, so these two things together kind of uh, uh, was the starting point, I think, of this story. Mm. And I think that's really interesting because I think as writers, especially when we have young children, it is very easy to get swept up in that panic of I'm just being a mum now and I have no time to write. Yeah. But it's easy to forget that actually our job is thinking up plots and piecing them all together and yeah. so lying in a, in a dark room, holding your baby's hand, trying to get them to fall to sleep is actually is you could be classed as work. You know, there you yeah. were plotting, plotting something all that time um, because these these books, they take you know time. They, we don't just sit down at a de desk and just suddenly t start typing. 
ideas come to us in all sorts of uh, interesting places, don't they? They do. I, I think it's very true what you say there. I, I had that experience sometimes when you have time to write and you sit down and you're like, right, I have no idea now. I have nothing to to say. And then other times when you have very little time to write and you get these great ideas and, and you really, really want to have the, just the time to sit out and, and sit down and uh, write it out. Uh, and I think for me that that second situation is a lot more stimulating in a way like you i will find time between dinner and uh you know when the kids are taking their evening bath or just any little moment of time to write i will sit down and i'll be like okay i have half an hour let's go Mm -hmm. yeah i think you're right actually those are the moments that feel more productive and and more um kind of exciting like you say because you're just snatching those moments of time as and where you can get them whereas today I know I have to sit down and do edits it's boiling outside I want to go and sit in the sun (laughs) or go to the beach with my family we'll go later but you know I know that I've got to sit down and do several hours of edits and it's like oh but you know know, when I know I've only got half an hour and the kids are calling me from another room I'm like oh it's all flowing out of me like you know nobody's business (laughs) exactly I I mean I think you have to have a little bit of of that too like no one will write an entire book and edit it just feeling that every moment was uh pure joy but um but still to to have a little bit of that oh could just could life just stop for a moment so that I can write it's uh it's great yeah yeah definitely <clears throat> and you talked about uh reading crime and thrillers and that sort of thing so have you read a lot of or had you read a lot of crime and thriller before you turned to writing it yourself um I um I read I'm reading everything you know so it's, it's not like I'm, I'm just reading uh crime fiction but I've uh and I- uh, Agatha Christie in the cabin you know these old uh, uh, 60s paperbacks that we used to have a bunch of them in the cabin everyone has read uh, all the books before so you know who did it but still uh, you always read it when you're uh, yeah. on holiday mm-hmm. uh, and I read uh, you know UNESCO and, uh, and uh, some of this uh, newer crime fiction as well and then for a long time I, um, I worked on my PhD time to uh, to read. Oh, I read, so I read uh, Gone Girl by uh, Gillian Flynn, which I really, really liked. I thought it was mm-hmm. so well pieced together, and I, I think it was really good. And, and that it, it was also. Um, uh, have you read it? Yeah, I've read it. Yeah, definitely, and seen yeah. the film as well. Yeah, I really, mm. I liked how how it was the story of a relationship as well, and how. Um, interested in the relationship I was and, and how that was used to create the, the tension also in the disappearance case so uh, mm. uh, I felt like that really opened my eyes to uh, how you could use this genre also to yeah to I also th- think that that was um, probably one of the first times that well not the first time because obviously it's been used before many many times but when that unreliable narrator style of writing really came to the forefront and was kind of recognized and became then quite trendy and then a lot of authors used it after that. I know that um, it was actually the inspiration for me to use an unreliable narrator in my first book, um, which is The Daughter-in-Law. And um, I'd sent it to an agent before when it wasn't a thriller, it was more of a family saga. And she said to me, 
would you consider rewriting this in the style of an unreliable narrator, much like the Gone Girl? It was about 2012, I think 2012 was when Gone Girl came out. Yeah. So about a year or so, or just after that, when when I got the the reply from the agent, and she didn't end up being my agent in the end because it took me a long, long time obviously, to rewrite an entire book in a different style and genre, something that I'd never done before. So I kind of fell into writing psychological thrillers by accident really but um what was that yeah, like to, re, to rewrite your story in a different genre yeah so basically just I mean I don't know what she saw in that first draft other than obviously she said you know you've got you're a good writer um but it was very strange that she kind of <laughs> saw in that story that I'd written a, an entirely different story it's quite yeah. strange but um, so I did rewrite it and then eventually I did get my agent. But uh, yeah, it's just interesting that that uh, that you mentioned that book because it did kind of, I think, have uh, was really sort of like the catalyst really for a lot of authors yeah. following that style of writing afterwards. Mm-hmm. No, I think uh, I think so. And I think you can see in a lot of uh, what's coming out now that it's uh, inspired by both the unreliable na- the narrator, also this more domestic setting. A lot of female protagonists uh, yeah. in this type of, uh, of stories. Yeah. How do you feel about the psychological thriller genre market and now being a part of that? Is there room for us all, do you think, with the... There are many sub-genres, I know, like, say, the domestic noir or mm. the, the more like, the crime thrillers or the very subtle thrillers. And uh, how, how do you feel you kind of slot into that market and being being part of that now, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, it's interesting uh, uh, what you say about um, how your agent related to your uh, script, because, and I don't know how you feel about that, but for me, it's, uh, I I have to, I I don't focus group, you know, what I write before I write it, I just, I, there's a story that I want to tell, and, and I write it, and then afterwards, uh, people will say, like, uh, I mean, obviously, you are also part of a trend, because you read what's coming out, and, and, uh, you relate to that but I think not very consciously I I just write what I uh, what I like to write yeah. Uh, yeah but then of course uh, there's a market and you want people to read your books and, and so uh, uh, it is strange to to come up with this thing that you've written and then um, see how the whole machinery work to um, uh, put it into a category that uh, that people will like. Yeah, because it's such a an almost saturated market, isn't it now? With mm. with how many psychological thriller books are out there, and yeah, I'm always kind of torn between being in it and sort of thinking, mm, should I still be writing these books when there is such a competition for it? I mean, obviously, I'm selling books, and my publishers do a fantastic job. Yeah, but um. Yeah, it's, I mean, from how it probably was 10, 15 years ago to now, I mean, it's just, there's just so many. And, but obviously people are reading them. I mean, people love them, don't they? And they they're sort of, I, I know uh, fans of that genre will literally gulp down uh, a psychological thriller book and, you know, just within a day or two and then move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I I see what you mean. And it's, it's, obviously it's competition out there. At the same time, I think it's... Uh... Um, it's possible to see it also as as um, the Gillian Flynn, for example, being the locomotive that the rest of us are. Uh, or yeah, you have these um, 
books that sell really well that people like that people uh, are enthusiastic about after they read them and then they want more and and yeah. so it's like it, an addiction isn't it <laughs> yeah it is and it's uh i think is there some therapy for that we can get <laughs> <laughs> sure. just come to me i will help you <laughs> No, I think, and I, I've uh, also spent a lot of time thinking like, what is it with this genre that makes people uh, like it so much? Obviously, it's the it's something with the mystery. It's something with like the human brain likes to find patterns and likes to see everything sort out in the end and be like, ah, this is what happened. Mm. But uh, but I think it's also interesting that we spend so much time reading stories about what we hope we will never have to experience ourselves. Yes, it's true. And do you think that during this uh, last year and a half, with everything that's been going on in the world, that this genre is something, I mean, obviously the books are still selling. Um, I felt that I brought out a book right at the beginning of our lockdown here in oh. England, uh, March 2020, my third novel came out. Um, and it didn't do very well at all. because <laughs> is it my I mean, second the bookshops were closed, weren't they? <laughs> Well, yeah, and um, I can't remember which one it was, my second or third one, lost track. But anyway, um, I kind of just worried. I just thought, well, perhaps everyone just wants to read uh, Uplit and Romance and really about thrillers. But do you feel kind of you're happy to escape into those those worlds regardless of what's going on around you in the world? Yeah, I think so. As a writer or a reader? Yeah, as, as both, I think. Uh but I, I uh, yeah, maybe March, uh, March 2020 was a, a particular month uh, in that respect. Maybe uh, I think the, the thing with this um, global disaster that we're all living through is that it's just it is a disaster, but it's also so boring. You know, we're all stuck at home we mm. are for more than a year now. Mm. So I think in the beginning, we it's kind of it's easy to uh, forget now, but how um scared we were in the beginning and how little we understood of what we were dealing with so mm. you could totally see that in in march april maybe people preferred more uplifting stuff but uh yeah. but isn't it the uh, escapism also reading about these uh terrible uh doesn't mm. happen to us yeah i think so and although it's kind of strange because there was quite a few books in my to be read pile that were post-apocalyptic kind of style books. <laughs> I kind of just shoved them right to the back of the pile. I was like, no, I don't really want to be reading anything about, you know, well. I think this uh, Camus book about uh, the plague is, has been selling really, really well in Norway all of a sudden. Oh. Yeah. What's it called? The Plague. In the region, it's called The Plague. I don't know yeah. if it's called the same in, in English. Yeah. French. <laughs> so what can you just take me back to your childhood and what um do you have any vivid memories of books that you remember growing up and I'm wondering if they kind of might be similar to the books that I was reading growing up or maybe we maybe you did have um similar authors over there or, or even the same ones yeah, I I think it's interesting always to talk about these uh, the stuff that you read when you were young because it, it's so mm -hmm. I, I think I couldn't read a book now that would shape me the way some of these stories I read when I was 12, 13 shaped me really? um, there is a Swedish author called Maria Gripe I don't know if she's 
translated to English. Uh, she writes kind of uh, mystery, a little bit supernatural uh, stuff that I just loved uh, growing up. Uh, and I also read this uh, Tolkien, um, I read the Narnia books of uh, mm. C.S. Lewis. Uh, so all of these are books that really made an impression on me, I mm. think. Um, I'm trying to think of stuff that that's English or that was translated. Um, I don't know if you know Astrid Lindgren, the author of uh, Pippi Longstocking. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so she also wrote uh, books that were more like medieval, one called uh, Ronja, the Thief's Daughter, that really stuck with me. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. What, what were you, your books that you read when you were young? Well, we had an author here in Britain called Enid Blyton. Have you ever heard of her? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so it'd be The Famous Five Adventures or The Secret Seven. So I remember reading a lot of those. And there was one book that I read uh, by Enid Blyton. And then it was the first time it was almost like there was a mystery. to Well, there was always mysteries to be solved within the book. But I remember solving the mystery halfway through the book. Oh based on some of the clues and I remember being very young and I remember because <clears throat> I'm still quite good now at kind of reading a psychological thriller and kind of working things out picking up on the clues and I think that's just reading those books from a young age and being able to pick them out um, from those clues at such a young age has kind of maybe helped me <laughs> with my reading <laughs> as an adult yeah. I don't know but yeah I just remember so that proud. yeah I was I just remember that moment of being thinking yeah. yes I've, I've solved the mystery I worked it out obviously I didn't realize until I got to the end but I'd kind of in my brain I'd kind of picked it out and thought oh maybe that yeah, means that and then yeah uh, yeah it revealed itself and I remember thinking I got I, I worked that out halfway through the book so um Enid Blyton books and then we uh I, I mean as a child I was at the library all the time and then I remember reading a book called um, I Know What You Did Last Summer. I can't remember what the author is. It's been made into a film. And mm. that was a kind of almost psychological thriller book for young adults. I remember reading that book and thinking it was phenomenal. Yeah. And then as a sort of a young adult, um, into sort of a modern, I think, was it called Modern Adults? There's another genre, isn't there, from sort of around the 25-year-old mark, 18 to 25. Yeah. New, new adult sorry that's it. it's called new adult so yeah I kind of as a new adult I was uh reading uh Marianne Keys have you heard of Marianne Keys before so she writes yeah. an Irish author and she writes very funny real and raw uh women's fiction and she had got quite a bad sort of rap in the early days and people just used to sort of fob it off as you know just uh it's just romance and women's fiction but actually the themes that she weaves through into the book are are quite um poignant and uh and kind of uh relevant really so uh yeah she's a a fantastic author and I still read her books now actually don't you think it's interesting also to go back to to books you read when you were young and read them again now and see how they they sit with you as an adult yeah I mean I've only ever reread a couple of books uh, myself over the over the years I'm not really much of a re-reader but yeah I really like to revisit some of uh, Marianne Keyes's books which I've got on my bookshelf from my uh from my youth from mm. my uh, new adult age how about you are you a re-reader at all or do you just move on to the, the next new novel 
I'm not a huge rereader, but I'm actually now rereading. Um, uh, so it's this. Um, uh, it's three novels by Sigrid Unset, who is one of Norway's two uh, winners of the Nobel Prize of Literature. And it's a, something that everyone reads in high school. So I read it in high school. And uh, it's a um, uh, unhappy love story where, you know, the unhappy lovers get each other in the end. And I remember oh, yeah. that's what I saw in it as a, you know, teenager. And uh. rereading it now, I'm thinking like, oh, this is a toxic relationship. You know, like it's a total yeah. crush. They don't know each other at all. And then afterwards, it goes really bad. Like their marriage isn't great at all. And um, it's it's so interesting to me to see how I totally <laughs> switch sides on this. From see that now. That's how you saw it at all as a child, no? Yeah. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry, what? What did you say? That that so that's not how when you re- when you read that book the first time you didn't perceive it in that way at all. Yeah, no, I I thought it was so romantic, and now I think it's uh it's really showing uh, the dangers of a, a crush. Mm. So and I, I think it's just it's interesting to see how life experience and and how you read things from a, a different vantage point, um, how that changes the story. Mm. I do think that the story is always the same. The words on the page are the same, but uh, the, the reader has changed. Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, just too many books to read, I think, to yeah. sort of go back and do too many rereads. But occasionally, yeah, one does kind of pop up at me and think, remember me? Have you read this, what was she called? Marion Keys? Mm, Marion Keys. Now? This, yeah, I read her now. She's written. She's written. Um, she still writes. Yeah, she's yeah. released a book recently, and um, yeah, she's yeah still writing. And you don't uh, reread the ones that you read when you were young. No, I'm going to reread one of hers. I think it's called oh. Watermelon. Uh, no, not Watermelon. It's called Rachel's Holiday. Yeah, it's about a girl who goes into rehab. But um, again, I think when I read that as a young adult, not a young adult, but kind of in my early twenties. I probably didn't see the theme and the and the points that she was trying to make. Yeah. Um, I just thought oh, it was just a fun book about a girl that goes into rehab and kind of you know messes it all up and falls cool. in love with a guy that she's not supposed to and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I want to reread it and kind of try and pick out the more uh, relevant themes mm. that you know I potentially could have missed really as a as a young adult. So uh, yeah, uh, she's, yeah. A, she's a great author. Thanks for and, um, are you writing anything at the moment you've got I know you've got a second book out uh, cool. yeah the, uh, the lover the lover yeah so it, it came out in the region um, in June oh wow so it's done out. it's finished it's out wow it's finished and out the difficult second book mm. so that's good and it will come in English I think uh, next summer Okay, so that's, then, an, that's a standalone book. It's nothing to do with a follow-up from the therapist. It's not the same character or anything, no? It's standalone, but it's it's some uh, smaller characters that are uh, recurring. Um, oh. And it's part of a... I, I don't know if you would really call it a trilogy because they're loosely connected. You could, you could uh, totally read one of them by itself. It's not like it's building on. You have to read all three in uh, sequence, but, uh, but they're loosely connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm going to start on the third one this uh, fall, which I'm really looking forward to. I, I love going into a writing process, like mm. this first draft. It's a uh, it's a lot of fun, I think. 
Yeah, I think so. The first, certainly the first 20,000 words. And then yeah. it's like trying to walk through mud, isn't it, after that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of the editorial process where you're on your 25th draft, it's, it's like, it feels less fresh at that point. Yeah. <laughs> and so what, what is a writing process like for you? Are you very strict? Do you have guidelines for yourself that you stick to? Do you have a, a, spe a special writing place that you go to each time? I, I've tested different things um, in terms of where I sit and when I write. And I've, I've had a lot of these romantic ideas that it would be lovely to write you know with a beautiful view over the ocean uh, with a glass of wine at midnight when everyone else is sleeping oh sounds fabulous and, <laughs> yeah unfortunately it turns out that i'm uh, a lot more of a morning person i need to i do my best work in the morning uh, so <laughs> i my, the best for me is to go from my home to some place where i can be totally alone and mm. which could be anywhere and doesn't need to have a view at all but just coffee and then mm. just to to sit and to spend these morning hours writing and the afternoon editing what I wrote in the morning. Oh, that's brilliant. So you will write something and then you'll edit it pretty much straight away. Yeah, I'll sort of, yeah, yeah, I will do that. Oh, and, really uh, and then afterwards, I, I feel like I, I need to, uh, I need to plot to have a, an idea of where I'm going and who these characters are and, and what's going to happen to them when I start writing. But I've always felt that uh, everything happens on the page so I can have the best idea in the world. But if it falls to pieces when I'm writing it, it's not worth it. Like it mm. I, I don't stick uh, faithfully to my plot. I see what happens when I start to write. Often characters can surprise me. Uh, they can have traits that I didn't know that they were going to have. And I think it's really important for me to just go with it when stuff happens on the page. Mm. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's yeah. really interesting how everybody has a different style of writing it and, and how a style of uh, plotting and planning and all those first drafts and, and how they sort of deal with it, really. Mm. It's, uh, there is no uh, rule book, which is interesting because I suppose as a writer, do you ever get people, uh, amateur writers who might come to you and say, I say amateur writers, we're all writers, aren't we? Uh. We're not really amateurs, but, you know, yeah. unpublished authors <clears throat> who would come to you and say, what do I do? How do I start? How should I do this? Yeah, and it's very yeah. difficult, isn't it, to kind of tr give advice um, because everybody does things differently and essentially there are no rules. What would you say to somebody with, uh, who, who came to you and said, oh, I've got this idea for a book, what, what should I do? Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's uh, it's very interesting. I really like to to teach or to give lectures to uh, to people on writing as well, and to talk about how I, I do it. And I remember very well um, participating in this type of events when I was unpublished myself and listening to someone saying like, yeah, I always have an Excel sheet where you know I plot in everything that will happen, very very detailed. So I'm going going home thinking like, okay, I will try that, and that doesn't work at all for me. And, and I think yeah. part of the the lesson there is that that you need to find your own way to work. Like I, as maybe more experienced writers, we can give give people ideas, but then afterwards they must find a way of working that uh, that works for them. But the the thing that I would always advise people, which is maybe a little bit uh, evident, but maybe not, is just first of all to read a lot. 
all yeah. kinds of genres <laughs> and then afterwards to to really write and to make it a habit to write and to write every day mm. uh, if you can and and put up time to do it and and do it even if you don't feel inspired or if you don't feel like writing today because writing is a job and it's uh it's great to be inspired and everything but if you sit around waiting for inspiration you might end up waiting a really long time yeah and i, I think there is something like you say with the playing a musical instrument or, or being good at a sport that you need to spend ten thousand hours doing it to mm. master it properly and i think uh, with writing it's a little bit the same it's uh, all those terrible short stories that you hope no one ever will read uh, mm. it's still practice it's still teaches you about uh how to turn a story how to raise suspense you know all that stuff absolutely so nobody ever really just sat down at a computer or with a pen and paper and and wrote a masterpiece did they on on the first go no um, i i don't think so i think uh, we're all on the shoulders of giants and um, so we need to know uh the literature and then we also need to really practice that skill that it really is yeah yeah well that's a good note to finish on I think a nice little bit of advice for any budding authors out there but um all the best with the therapist and hopefully you can start doing a little bit more stuff over here at some point in the UK we'd love to see you and um hear you talk uh more about your work in person that would be lovely and uh really really best of luck with uh the lover which sounds fantastic and it's great cover i've seen it is that the fin- finished cover or oh, it is because it's already out isn't it in there yeah in the, what, it's already the out in the it's an eye with a hair around yeah she's there. yeah it's a uh, kind of intense mm, it's a good red color isn't it and it's actually kind of yellow Maybe you're thinking yellow. of the therapist cover. That's red. Oh, that's red. Oh, you've got different yeah. colours. I've got a green one. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the British one is green. I really like the colour <laughs> of the British one. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, best of luck with it all. And thanks ever so much for having me today. Thank you for having me.